Oh, I am a yokai. That thing you humans call a ghost, spirit, or an extra-dimensional being. Yokai? Never heard of it. Seriously? The yokai are the mysterious beings that cause strange phenomena. I know, I know. So why was I in the spooky capsule machine? It was 190 years ago when some self-righteous monks declared me a menace to society and locked me in the machine. They had capsule machines back then? Never mind the details, detective. I mean, who knew monks had such a sense of humor? What is important, though, is that you have managed to set me free! And now you and I have entered into a sacred bond. More than a friendship, more than a marriage, I'm forever indebted to you! everybody this is Lobo welcome back to a much anticipated I don't know maybe uh, episode of the spark and we're gonna kind of go in a different direction this time um, usually when I do the spark it's uh, one topic and I'm the only one to cover it this time we're gonna have a guest on and it's Chuck from wheel nerds and tonight we're gonna be talking about Japanese demons uh, Oni and yokai and uh, how they are part of Japanese culture and how they've been woven into not just Japanese culture, but also culture here. So, Chuck. Hi, everyone. How you doing, Lobo? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thanks. And thanks for uh, asking me to come on and, and try to uh, muddle through this. <laughs> awesome. Uh, should we talk about how this came up? I think, she, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about is, that. That's a good way yeah, to do it. Let's yeah, let's jump into that. We've talked about on your show before the suicide forest in Japan, right? Yeah, yep. so absolutely suicide forest where everyone just kind of goes to off themselves because that's where everyone else goes. Mm-hmm. So at one point, I my future brother-in-law was visiting Japan, went to the suicide forest, and picked up some rocks to bring back souvenirs, and he gave one to to me and my girlfriend, my fiance and to his other brother, and he kept one for himself. And this, uh, like, instantly freaked out my fiance. She's very superstitious, maybe, is the word? That's probably that's probably a good way to yeah, put it, superstitious. yeah. I would say that term is she's not, she's not religious. Um, I think she's an atheist. But she is superstitious, and, and she has a lot of uh, respect for, like, the... the that the idea of spirits and ghosts and, and and that. So even though there isn't like any specific tradition linked to the suicide forest as far as it being haunted, as far as I know, she was just really freaked out by the idea that there 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 could be some bad mojo with this rock. Sure, that's understandable. Right. So she found a way to return it. <laughs> she went to Reddit and found a way to return it. There's a, a guy who was who lives close by to there, and he just took the rock back. Um, 
I asked uh, my other brother-in-law if he could send me his rock because I had told you about it and you had expressed an interest in it. I did. A very strong interest, actually. Yeah, very, very strong interest. And it took a couple months before he got around to it because he lost it in the move. He moved to the East Coast and he had to find it. So once he found it, he sent it to me and uh, I (laughs) forgot all about it by the time he sent it to me. So I'm all like asking my girlfriend like, hey, why did we get this rock? And so she started freaking out again. <laughs> and at that point, uh, I remembered. I'd look back and I was like, oh, that's right. So literally, no joke, I taped the envelope back up. It was a Sunday. Went straight to the post office and dropped it in the, in the box so that it was on its way to you. And it, did not spend any yeah. more time in this house. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's living here happily with the other cursed stones that I own. Yeah, because you've got like a collection of stuff going, right? I, I do. I do. I have, I think the total number at the moment is six. Okay. Which is a good round number for me. The funniest thing she said about this, because I told her, you know, you've got this collection of things like from graves and cemeteries and, you know, other kind of bad mojo kind of stuff. And she was like, yep. yeah, but this one's serious. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, one of the stones in my collection was taken off from a Karen of a, a, a dead man who was a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is supposedly from the grave of a cursed gentleman. Uh, one is from a Mayan temple that was stolen from a Mayan temple. Right. Now I have the one from the Japanese suicide forest. Mm-hmm. And I have two other ones that we will not discuss at this point. The rock we had freaked her out enough that she started having nightmares about it. Where? Yeah, you stated that. Yeah. That's. Uh, mm. And what she was seeing in her nightmare was uh, was an, was called an onryo. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into that. Onryo are are part of of a general term, the yokai, and the yokai is essentially a spirit of some kind. Japanese tradition is it's it's a combination of things that they've been exposed to over the years. You know, if you, you think about it in modern terms, as soon as they found out how to build cars, they turned around and became like a car building empire. Sure. Everything in their cultures like that. They get exposed to things and they adopt it. They they get parts of it into their culture and and it just kind of flourishes. So they, they've pulled from traditions from Shinto, Buddhism, um, Indian folklore, even like Western folklore as they were exposed to it. And, and during like medieval Japan, that's where these stories about the yokai, the various spirits, all the, there's hundreds. They all do specific things. They all do means specific things. And they're just like, it's like an army of yokai. Um, when the Meiji period started, um, and that was when Japan stopped being a military society and, and went back to being ruled by the emperor, it was opened up to the Western world, um, and it started modernizing. One of the things they did to modernize, besides outlawing the samurai and all that, was they kind of dropped the idea of the yokai being a serious thing. And that's unfortunate, actually. Right, and it just kind of faded into their the background of their culture. They didn't go away, but they stopped being as serious. All the Japanese people I know today, like my family, they're not religious. They're more superstitious and 
observant of traditions. That's understandable. I mean, even this in this day and age, that's understandable. Right. I mean, I my family is my father's side of the family, who are the Roman Catholics, are they're they are they are religious, overly so, and wicked superstitious. So. I mean, they have they call on saints for everything, and mm-hmm. you know the devil's around every corner, and I mean it's just right. It's terrifying to deal with them at certain times. Right. So you know, I'm thinking a lot of the way my mother was, where she would observe the traditions around like New Year's. You know, we'd go and visit a temple. She'd get the incense. She'd bathe in the smoke, clean um, gravestones, and respect for the ancestors. We had a, we had, well, I still have it. I have my mom's old one, uh, Ancestor Shrine, hmm. where it's just pictures of, of the people who have passed. There's a place to burn incense. There's a place to do little offerings like sweet cakes or, in my dad's case, whorehound candy because that's what he really nice. liked. Yeah. And it's for me, it's just kind of a neat way to kind of have that connection to the past. And I think for a lot of Japanese people, it's the same way. I don't know and very many of them that are like actually super into being a Shinto or a Buddhist. And I think I remember reading a survey saying Japan was like one of the most atheist countries in the world. I can understand that. <laughs> so the, the yokai is still there, but now they've really kind of come forward through the popular culture. They have so many stories there that... that they're a really good source to be adapted into comic books and movies and cartoons and stuff. And that's their, I think their biggest influence today is being popular entertainment. Which seems, you know, kind of terrifying considering what kind of power they had during the, you know, the feudal times in Japan, much like they were here in the United States. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. the idea of, of devils and demons around every corner, you know, during the puritanical period of the uh, U.S. when the first, you know, the pilgrims and the Puritans made their way over here, you know, literally the devil was behind every corn stalk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, it had, it had way more sway with people. Most of the time it was a control thing to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, scare people into submission as to, you know, what they were supposed to do. Right. But it's morphed throughout the years and it seems as though it was, it's gone the same direction, albeit a, a different direction because of the cultural um, influence of Japan as opposed to the Western world. Right. But it still seems as though, whereas Japan has really grasped and um, turned it into something that is um, a little more benign Mm -hmm. as opposed to what we hear. I mean, it's been pushed off into the distance. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people here that are um, way into it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like totally into it. All bought into it. Yeah, yeah, and Satan's going to come and get you, and all of his minions are after you at every waking moment. And Heavy and metal and into... devil music. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, it's just, it's terrifying that, you know, two, two extremely different cultures could have something that was relatively a maligned influence at one point to just go two separate ways mm-hmm. with the way, I mean, it, it, nowadays, I mean, you get video games, that have demons in them, and usually you're a demon. Comic books, you know, um, yeah, you get TV shows like Supernatural. Yeah, 
you know, and you have uh, Lucifer. Yeah, exactly. Lucifer. 20 years ago, you weren't having a, a television show named Lucifer. Yeah, no one was doing that. You and know? even when that show came out, what, a year or two years ago, people were kind of oh, iffy about yeah, it. Yeah, they lost their minds, collectively mm-hmm. lost their minds. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we see it We see it in all aspects of culture, but it's, it's two totally different uh, animals at this point. Mm-hmm. So... The, the yokai are, they're a little different because they're not necessarily portrayed as forces of good and evil. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're a parallel world and they explain so many different things. Like if you're someone that always stubs his toe, there's, there'll be a yokai that that's why you're doing it because there's a yokai who wants you to stub your toe. They were, you know, after the, the Meiji period started and all this stuff was getting pushed to the, to the back. It wasn't until after World War II that the yokai sort of had a resurgence, and that was through the popular culture of manga. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a manga series in Japan called Gege Ge no Kitaro. If you've spent any time around Japanese culture, you've probably seen it in one form or another. And it's it's a little boy who's dressed like a uh, Japanese peasant, and he has one eye, and the other half of his face is covered with hair. And the eye that's missing is possessed by the spirit of his father, who is now his companion. Ooh. And he can see yokai. He can interact with yokai. And he has all these comical adventures kind of making things, resolving conflicts and stuff between yokai and humanity. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he was, he started around World War II and he persists today. He's, he's an anime. He's an, he has a live action movie. He's he's part of the popular culture now, the same way Darth Vader is. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, and and he's it's super benign and it's funny to watch. But where a lot of people might really be familiar with yokai is in Japanese horror. Mm-hmm. Those are a specific kind of yokai called the onryo, and they're essentially vengeance ghosts. Okay, and a, you know you kind of get like a an image of your mind when you you think about stuff like the ring, the grudge, the slipknot woman, kuchisake ona. I love her. <laughs> you know, you there's <laughs> she's probably my favorite. She's she's scary. They're all very scary. But the way they look, their appearance with the long hair, usually like white or pale clothing, white faces, very pale faces. Mm-hmm. That's that origin comes from Kabuki theater. Yeah. I'm familiar with that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it to portray these kind of ghosts in, in kabuki uh, theater, Japanese traditional theater, they sort of standardized their appearance to be dressed in white, to have the long black hair, to have uh, white face makeup with like blue eyeshadow and stuff to make them look super dead. And the, sort of like the progenitor of these kind of ghosts is a woman called Oiwa. She comes from a story called Yotsuya Kaidan. And it's it's a, an old traditional story. It's in several parts. But the general gist is her husband gets tired of her and tries to get rid of her. And she accidentally dies and comes back as a ghost and essentially drives him crazy by haunting him. And and from her, just that's she's like the, the great grandmother of, you know, Sadako from The Ring. Sayako from the Grudge, the Slipmouth Woman, all of these evil vengeance ghosts. They they seem sort of mindless. Okay. In that, you know, you can't reason with one, you can't 
necessarily break its curse. You can't you can't appease the ghost. It just sort of goes forward like a like a force of nature, and it's always inflicting whatever it's supposed to be inflicting. And to me, that's like always been sort of a difference between these kinds of ghosts and Western ghosts, which seem a lot more sentient. Yeah, well, I mean un- that's understandable, but you, you also have to look at the fact that what we deem as, I suppose, a demon, if you're going with the Judeo-Christian reference of it, they were brought over here by way of, you know, the Middle East. So, the, and they've morphed and changed and and um, come into their own as far as, you know, fables and fairy tales go with how they've evolved. So the sentience that you see in them is, you know, uh, man-inflicted or man-generated, uh, whereas it seems as though the the Japanese version would be more of an organic they're seen as at like you stated like a force of nature like something that's mm-hmm. there that's it, it, is it's it's irrelevant whether man is there or not right which is they're they're sort of like an imprint of whatever happened right and they just happen to be like you know super violent about it <laughs> you know whenever i whenever i think of a of a of a demon as far as like manga I always go back to Ryuku from Death Note. He's like the, yeah. he's like the perfect envisage in my mind of what the the animated uh, version of a demon would be. He just doesn't he's a sh- care, mm-hmm. you know. He's a shinigami. Yeah, he's just he's amazing. That, for mm-hmm. for I remember the first time I saw Death Note, and for this character to be such a pivotal character in a in a series was foreign to me because it wasn't something that was, you know, we all had bad guys, you know, in our cartoons and in our shows here, but we never really had pivotal characters in them that were based upon something that we as a Western culture would see as something evil or, you know, malignant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which it, it fascinated me, and it still to this day does. I mean, there's other characters in other anime, but Ryoku always goes back to that archetype of what I always saw as, you know, being a foreigner, being someone from mm-hmm. here who was instilled with Judeo-Christian ideas, whether I want them or not, they're there. It's like mm-hmm. being branded with a cattle iron. You know, it's something that's always going to be instilled in me, whether or not I see it as something cool or something... You know, in my own aspect, what uh, how I see it, it still fascinates me that a character could be that um, influential. Mm-hmm. And he's a great example too, because you know, as a Shinigami, the the closest interpretation we have to that here is you know he's a grim reaper. He's he's literally a death spirit. But you know, in Death Note, he doesn't care, right? He just the whole Death Note kicks off just because he's bored and <laughs> wants to see someone screw around with his Death Note book. Right. He, you know, they'd be like the Grim Reaper dropping his scythe and being like, "Okay, you know, let's see who picks it up." You know, all he cares about is eating apples and you know not being bored. <laughs> it's and and that's like a great description of how these yokai kind of interact with humanities they're they're not like interested in 
condemning you or saving you. They're just, they interact. And some of them are so benign. Like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at one now. It's a cat. Mm-hmm. And all it does is act like a cat. You know, it's, you'll see a cat and that could be a yokai spirit. And if you're nice to it, it acts like a nice cat. And if you're not, it, it goes away. It's, I have to mention another one because my girlfriend made me promise that I would. <laughs> it's called the Shirime. Yeah. And all it is is a man with no features on his face who has an eyeball in his butthole. That's terrifying. And the only the story that all that's connected to him is, you know, a, a samurai is walking alone one night. He runs into a man who takes off all his clothes and bends over so that he can look at him with his butthole. That's there's no rhyme or reason to him. He just exists to exist. He just exists. Huh? Uh, See, that's, that's another fascinating thing that I find with, with the, the Oni and the yokai is here. People that are uh, quote unquote demonologists, which is not to me, it's never been a thing, but apparently in some groups it is. But, I mean, everybody knows who Abaddon is. Everybody knows who Azazel mm-hmm. is. Everybody knows who Beelzebub is. You know, not everybody, mm-hmm. but p- within those factions. You know, Abaddon is the one who is supposed to blow the final seal and hearken in Armageddon. He's supposed to be, like, the one in charge. He's even more powerful than Satan as far as, like, the the okay. the, the, um, the command goes as far as strength. Like, he's the one who's supposed to end it mm-hmm. all. You know, there's like, there's no, there's no like, well, this is, you know, Samson and he's the demon of apples or, you know, we don't have that. It's all gloom and doom, death and destruction. Either you're an angel or you're a demon. You're either God or the devil. There's no in between. I mean, other than like, if you really want to get into it, Gabriel, Gabriel kind of skates that fine line. He like plays for both sides. He doesn't really have a dog in the fight. You know, he's the he's the guy that goes in between. Yeah, supposedly really? that's the story. Okay. I thought Gabriel's like he's just he's one of the archangels who acts he like is. a messenger. He talks to both sides. Supposedly he talks to both sides. Oh, okay. He goes and says, "Look, dude, you're okay. messing up." And goes to the big guy and goes, "You know, he knows he's messing up." You know, but he really doesn't okay. have a dog in the fight. He's like stuck forever in the middle. And you'll have people that will okay. argue the fact that that's inaccurate. But at this stage of the game, does anybody really know? I mean, it's all stories at this point. Right. So let me ask you, because I, I don't know where this comes from. Do, does the Bible talk about these angels like Michael um, and Gabriel? There's discussion of Gabriel. There's discussion of Michael. And there are some sects out there that believe that Michael is actually the incarnate form of Christ. I don't know. Okay. But there isn't really any discussion of like demon demons other than legion right okay which is, legion you know, yeah so where's abaddon again come it, from? it comes from uh other books that are not part of the canon that are in the bible you know okay. uh some of these names will come from the enochian books and and other books that were recognized as part of the collection but not as canon you know they're not okay. Canon, the canon was set up by a set of people and said, okay, this is what we're going to keep. This other stuff doesn't make any sense. It's all crazy. You know, because at one point, there's discussion of 
um, King Solomon having a, a ring. And this ring is to be able to control demons. And that's how he had his temple built. Because he was able to control demons. But you're like, okay, they decided to keep that part out, but have a dude who can make fish and bread into a ton of stuff and walk on water because <laughs> that's not crazy. And some other dude right. who spoke to a burning bush, also not crazy. So you got to really think about mm -hmm. how far out these other books are for them to have been left out. Mm -hmm. But they're all written around, okay. the, you know, within the same time period. But they decided... Right. When they came together and said, okay, this is what we're keeping, they're like, no, 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 this, is, this sounds way too far out there. <laughs> we cannot have the story about the butthole yeah, well, guy. Exactly. But that's the thing, though, with the Japanese, <laughs> with the way the Japanese look at it, it, there's, it's not really good or bad, it just is. Yeah, it just is. It's just part Which of the world. Which is, is fascinating. To me, that's amazing because it's, it proves right there that there is no black or white. It's just gray. It's there. You know, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. same way as, you know, Native Americans, the way they see things, there's, it just is, you know, there may be things that are more malign or, or more, you know, more malignant or more benign, but they, it just is, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not until like certain other cultures started putting in their influence where it had to be either good or bad and you're either with us or you're against us, which uh, I find mm -hmm. terrifying. Because it's still going on today. <laughs> oh yeah, we're a very, very polar kind of culture in the in mm -hmm. the West. Two po two political parties, good side, bad side. Two football teams. A, it's either A or B with us. It's it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be. But it, you know, it is. Yep. Now you look at other countries. Their their Congress or you know their Parliament. So many different parties, like dozens yep. of parties all having to like try to work together or band together in different groups and coalitions here. It's like, Nope, can't have that R or D. <laughs> yeah. I can't have that. Nope, 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 nope. And, and it's, our system is set up to like specifically discourage anyone else from getting in besides the major yeah, two. Unfortunately, and, you know, they become the big, two big fish. So they want to make sure no one else gets in, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> whatever. That's, that's yeah, a different right? road. That's a different thing. There's a two-part anime series called Karas, K-A-R-A-S, which is all about the Oni interacting with the modern world. And then the premise of that one is the Oni feel, the yokai, the Oni feel like they've been so forgotten that they want to strike back at the world to try to rise to prominence again. Hmm. And and there's like a human in the, in the who's meant to act as a peacekeeper between the worlds. You know, it's it's kind of cool. The uh, the neat part about that is the various yokai who decide to be part of this rebellion and attack the world. They 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 can't interact directly with the world, so they have to be combined with machines. So they're, they're turned into mm. cyborgs, and that's how they manifest in the material world. Yes, that makes sense. And, and, you know, it, it's it's a lot of action and stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah. But they cover like the like a lot of the major yokai and the the, the different kinds and watching a series like that or the gay 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 Kataro, you see just how messed up these things look hmm. whether it's the the butthole eye guy there's an there's a, a sentient umbrella with a foot just like all oh, various shapes and sizes um a giant woman could be one 
skeletons. There's a, there's one called the Hone Ona, which is literally a skull-faced woman that prowls dark alleys and, and graveyards, and she wants to bone all the time. Okay. That's that's her thing. Um, the Hitotsume Nyoda, it's a giant priest with one eye who walks the highways and stuff and occasionally attacks huh. people. Uh, it's just uh, animals like foxes are considered to be spirits. The kitsune. And they're sort of a, if I remember right, they're kind of a so trickster spirit. the same spirit. thing in Native American culture. Brother Fox. I mean, there's a there's a story that was I know it's a it's a story and it's fictitious, but it was written by um, it was written by Clive Barker, and the name of the store uh, book was Sacrament, and throughout the entire story is Brother Fox, and he's spoken of as a trickster. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm looking up here. It's like they're they're messengers. They can be tricksters. They can transform. Many yokai have the ability to shape shift, like a human or to whatever their original hmm. shape was. Different kinds of kitsune spirits, depend, you know, depending what they want to be. Another kind of uh, yokai was the kappa, mm-hmm. and that's that's I'm a river demon. Kappa. Yeah, and you know that one could be mischievous; it could be evil. And you'll see statues of them around Japan. And uh oh, <laughs> I just found a picture here how people fought the kappa. You, apparently you can find yeah, out. Yeah, the other one is to get them to bow so they spill the water from the top of their head. Yeah, yeah. They, or you can appease them with cucumbers. I don't cucumbers. understand that. Cucumbers don't seem to me to have that much power. No, it's not so much to add power. Oh, they just right. like to eat them. And, and their name, Kappa, is a Japanese word also That's for cucumber. Hilarious. Yeah, they like uh, – and I remember I remember them from this Karas anime I was yep. telling you about. The people go and they're trying to lure Kappa to come out of the toilets by waving cucumbers in the air. That seems kind of loaded. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it, it was it, the, the the people in, in that anime. It's like to the real world. They don't believe in yokai. They think it's hmm. funny. You know, yokai are just seen as you know fun stories. So you know, you, the girl puts on this Kappa outfit and starts waving cucumbers around and. One comes out and eats oh, her soul. Well, you know, that, that could end your day pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You spend any time walking around Tokyo, modern Japan, you're going to just see lots and lots of different statues, even modern pop culture kind of statues, comic book looking characters that just draw on this on this tradition of so many different spirits and, and, and demons, even though I guess, you know, whether they're considered evil or not is kind of depends on the individual. Hmm. But there's just so many different kinds. You know, there's even dragons are considered a part of the yokai. Really? Yeah, just the, the Asian style, long drag, snake-like right. dragon. You know, it's a legendary creature just like just like everything else. See, I always thought that the Japanese dragon was always seen as a good luck symbol. Um, I don't know for sure, but it doesn't mean that the yokai can't right. be. Yeah, because I'm looking at it from the way we see things on this side. Whereas, I mean, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with, you know, let's say... Uh, Abaddon being my spirit animal. I'd have no problem with that at all. (laughs) So I'm just like looking up Japanese dragons and there are named dragons, like specific entities. Uh Uh-huh. And then they also go back and they they pull off a Chinese mythology about dragons. 
but the, they have like spe- specific dragons that are named that live in specific areas and have uh, like the Yamato no Orochi is an eight-headed, eight-tailed dragon. That sounds like it'd be fun at a party. Hmm. Right? But uh, yeah, I mean, J- Japanese horror draws a lot on this tradition. And you just get, and it, I guess you can even say it continues today. The slit-mouthed woman is a modern invention. Mm. She's considered like an urban right. legend. But, you know, give her 100 years and she'll be part of the, the yokai I'm pantheon. Sure. I'll probably not even take 100 years for that. Yeah, and she's yeah. scary. Well, see, the thing I've, I've always thought of as Japanese horror has always intrigued me because it's it's more psychological based. It like messes with your mind whereas early American horror did that. It was suspenseful. It was psychological. But nowadays our horror is more gore and it's it's really faded away from its roots whereas Japanese horror seems to be sticking true to its roots like full on. There is a lot of gore, Japanese mm-hmm. gore horror. But there, you're right. There's like it's almost like its own kind of genre. It's, it's such a weird psychological kind of horror, and it, it, it incorporates stuff like body horror, and just psychological terror, a lot of ambiance is necessary, and it just you know it's just it, it focuses around just trying to freak you out as hard as it can. It does a good job. It does a good job. Yeah, I have a hard time watching J-Horror. <laughs> I could understand that. <laughs> the first time I saw, I saw The Grudge, the American-made version in the movie theaters, and that just freaked really? me the hell out. Huh, The Grudge mm-hmm. didn't bother me, neither did The Ring. I thought they were both great. I liked them. I thought they were really good. The, the Grudge freaked me out more than The Ring did because there were more jump scares in The Grudge. Right. And jump scares do it. But the original... If you watch the Japanese yep. Grudge, that one didn't freak me out as so bad. The Japanese one I thought was good. I thought the American rendition was better only for the aesthetics, but mm-hmm. the original Ringu was superior to the American version of the ring. In my opinion, I thought it was better. What'd you it's like just, about it? It had that it just had a different feel to it, you know. Mm-hmm. That whole subplot they add where they, they put in all the backstory for yep. the little girl, I I think kind of took away from really? the from it, I thought yeah, she was. I thought better as being. They were trying to make her a lot. I think more sympathetic in the American mm, movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> it's like that new movie, Mommy, and like, that came out. It remind. It was reminiscent of that same feel. Or mommy mama, or mama, mommy, mama. The the like yeah. the wood spirit thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. No, it's, I'm, it's just I I I see where it is. It's still woven into the tapestry in Japanese culture. It's it's there. It's not mm-hmm. going anywhere. It's a part of whether it's looked at as humorous or, you know, just... It just is. It doesn't seem as though it's going away. You know, where it's... Mm-hmm. Even their uh, unsupernatural horror is really messed yeah. up. Look up uh, MPD I'll Psycho. Look that up. <laughs> yeah, MPD Psycho. That is super messed up, hmm. and it's it's kind of gory. I, I'm okay with that. It's it's not as gory as it could be because it was made for TV. Right. It's an adaptation of a manga. It was made by Takashi Miike, okay. who made um, Ichi the Killer. Huh. Why does that sound familiar? I don't know if you're familiar with that one. That's a 
That is probably a classic of Japanese gore. Hmm. It is super messed up. It's a it's essentially a gangster really? movie, but it is super messed up. Super super messed up. Out. Yeah, Ichi the Killer. That's well, it is messed <laughs> up. Just so messed up. It 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 has a lot of sadism. Sadomasochism? Sadomasochism. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm oh, no. <laughs> sadomasochism. Lots, so, lots of elements of sadomasochism. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of just gratuitous violence. Um, the, the special effects are well done. It's And it has a, a, a bad guy who's, who transcends the movie and, and can become like... Like Darth Vader, he, he's part of the cult pop culture because he's just so striking. Cool. But I totally made it. Oh, that, that's what I want to talk about. So you got The Grudge. You got The Ring. They're super good mm-hmm. horror movies. But the Japanese don't take them seriously really? either. Well, I know I saw them. Uh, what was it? The uh, One of the baseball teams had both characters. One was a pitcher and one was batting. From both the ring and the grudge. Do you, do you know what no, they were no promoting? Idea. The new movie, Grudge vs. Ring. Thing. It oh, came out God. last year. <laughs> Sadako versus okay. Seiko. Yep. It, it's literally like they saw Freddy vs. Jason. I was gonna say. <laughs> we gotta do that. Well, that's a thing. I hope it did well. I think it did it I think it did do pretty good. I haven't I've only okay. seen parts of it. It doesn't look like they tried to go quite right, well. Well that's it. good. But it's you know it, it has like that same buildup of Freddy versus Jason where the, the the people are caught in the middle and they're just trying to get these two forces to go head to head and the big payoff is when they do and it, you know it's they they look so similar it's like well how do they fight seems <laughs> awkward yeah but you know it's yeah good oh man I have to watch Ichi the Killer again oh, now it's, <laughs> that director uh, Takashi Takeshi yeah I think it's Takashi. Mike. I always call him Takashi Mike because that's kind of how sure. it's spelled. Well. <laughs> he, uh, he's made a lot of uh, really interesting horror movies. One's called a Audition. Okay. But if you look at Ichi the Killer, that's like one of his big early hits. And it's just so Not bad. to check it out. <laughs> it's so bad. It's, oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's kind of oh. disturbing. And there's nothing supernatural about that's it. That's fine. <laughs> So we're yeah, way well, off topic. We've been on for 47 minutes mm. clicking now. So what is yeah. your uh, what is your final takeaway on this? Um, the yokai. Oh, I have to throw Go this in. Yokai Watch. Oh, it's a kid's show on Netflix, Yokai Watch, and it's like Pokemon. Except instead of having little artificial creatures, it's yokai. And just out hunting them. Uh, it's, it's the, 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 the main character has a watch that lets him see the yokai and every episode they run into a specific yokai that is causing huh. problems. And usually it's the yokai is influencing people to do something specific and he has to summon his other yokai friends to beat this yokai. And by doing that, he becomes friends with that yokai and he gets added to the menagerie. Huh? So like one yokai would make people draw a happy face on their stomach and dance. That's it. 
with their shirt pulled up. That's it. Okay. Other yokai make people grouchy. Another yokai makes people gassy. Huh. Um, the show introduces yokai essentially. It's like anything that happens to you during the day, you can explain through the influence of a yokai. Huh. And my daughter I can loves this show. <laughs> it, it is it is a funny show. It's 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 clever. The uh, the English dubbing and, and the story writing is, is pretty cool. good. So I think yokai the the oni they've faded in importance as a religious or superstitious thing in Japan, but they they researched as as part of their popular culture. That's interesting the way the uh, the different cultures interact with their past. Because I mean, we try mm-hmm. to bury it, and it just keeps poking its head up, and it's just it's it just remains malignant. It, and it, it it in my opinion, it always will. It'll always be something that is you know just around the corner, and it's never helpful, and it's never going to be something that. No matter how hard people try here, because of the the environment here in the states, it's never going to be looked at the same way it is in Japan. Which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. In Japan, it, it's like just part of the tapestry of the culture. Yeah. And they don't try to get it to go away necessarily. They don't necessarily take it seriously, but it's it's something that's it's hmm. there. And, and I think a lot of Japanese approach just religion in general the same way. It's more of a traditional something they've, they've always observed and, and or their family observes rather than something they deeply believe in. It makes sense for them to just, you know, keep it keep it just in the background where it doesn't go away mm-hmm. completely, but it's still seen as maybe not a vital part, but still a part of your culture. Oh wow. There's a there's a yokai here called the Kasha. Mm-hmm. It's a were cat that oh, eats corpses. Well, at least he's doing something good. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get rid of those corpses. <laughs> you know, I bet someone had a corpse robbing happen at some point, and this sure, is where it came not? from. Seems like a good enough explanation to me. <laughs> why not? I, I, I guess the, the final message should be like, don't take it too mm. seriously. That's probably <laughs> the best thing to take away from this. You know? Yeah. So Chuck, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Okay, so I'm on a podcast called Wheel Nerds. You can, we talk about motorcycles and jokes and uh, fighting things with our farts. <laughs> You can find us at wheelnerds.com or uh, facebook.com slash wheelnerds. Is I think that right? so. Is it? Let's, yeah, let me do look that. real quick. Yeah, Facebook, facebook.com slash wheelnerds. I should I know that. I, I know. I'm still not on Facebook. I deactivated my account. I took a break oh, because well, of you. I'm sorry? <laughs> no, no. It was like, I took a two-week break, and I was just checking in to update the podcast cool. page. And I was just like, yeah, you know, because I was getting yeah, you're not angry. Alone. Trust me. I was getting super alone. angry. And I took a took a break for a while, and I just started missing the memes. There so I had to go. go back. So, But, yeah, it was good. It was good to have a little well, break. But, yeah, willnerds.com, facebook.com slash willnerds, wherever you can listen to podcasts, you'll, you'll find us. You don't even have to be into motorcycles, really, to listen to us. So a lot of people have listened to us. From your guys' show. I'm sorry? And uh, either... <laughs> no, it's... They, they've been inner... I think, you know, they just kind of like our approach. And uh, some some people have even picked up bikes cool. because of us. Which, for that, I say wow, I'm sorry. Come on. Because you won't, you won't have money for That's drugs. That's good, though. That. 
The money <laughs> book, that's good. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Chuck, for uh, giving us some insight into uh, the Japanese culture of demons and evil spirits. It was Absolutely. fun to talk about. And this, uh, uh, I'm going to say, this, this rock's not going anywhere because the first night it was here, I had one of the best nights of sleep I've had in years. <laughs> so it's going to stay right where it is. Uh, you don't keep it under your no, pillow. No, that's for you? my uh, orphan teeth. Wait, what? <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Chuck. All right. Thanks, man. Start running, start running Yeah, I'm coming, I'm